The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. I'm going to read that for you now. It's on page 10 in your bulletins, verses 12 to 16. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sin. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, was a pattern of the one to come. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, The gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. This is the word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Death is contagious. I think you know that. I I think we all know that pretty well by now. Death is contagious. And if you don't believe me, you can ask Mary Malin. She actually lived in New York at the turn of the last century, at the beginning of the 1900s, and she was an Irish-born cook. Her favorite thing to cook was actually peach ice cream. She'd whip that ice cream up on a hot summer day. Delicious, right? And then people would die. That's what happened. She actually never manifested the symptoms of her typhoid. She didn't have the cough or the runny nose or the bloody nose or anything like that. But when she would whip that peach ice cream together, the milk, and the sugar, and the peaches. She would also mix in just a pinch, just a little bit of her death, typhoid. You maybe know her by the name Typhoid Mary. Have you heard of her before? Typhoid Mary. In fact, her death was so contagious that she caused in 1908, an epidemic of massive proportions right here in New York City. And as a result of this, she was banned from making not only her peach ice cream, but anything. But she didn't listen. She kept spreading her death around. And so you know what New York City did? We put her on North Brother Island for a grand total of 26 years of her life, right there in the middle of the East River. She was quarantined. 
Because we know this really well. Like, ask any medical professional, death is contagious. And we have to understand this. I wish, sadly, I wish that we could put Adam right there in the middle of the East River and just leave him there so that we would not get death. Because that's what we're really talking about today. Last week, happily and almost merrily, we talked about Father Abraham, right? We talked about Father Abraham, the father of faith, but not today. Today, one of the things that we're going to be talking about is Adam, the father of sin and death. Today, we're talking about Abraham. We could call him the great patient zero. Today, we're talking about Adam, through whom the Apostle Paul says, this is verse 12, sin entered the world and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all sin. That's right where it started. You know, just one little act of rebellion in the Garden of Eden, one little act, and right there in Adam, all died. And you can call it whatever you want. You can call it original sin. You can call it the old Adam. You can call it the sinful nature. You can call it hereditary sin. Call it whatever you want. But none of those names can actually capture the farthest reaching effects of the sin of Adam because a new cycle began that reaches all the way down to us today. Sin and death. Sin and death. Sin and death. And we get this, you know, we... We understand this, that this, this death is absolutely, in Adam, contagious. We know this from the Bible. It's all over the Bible, isn't it? We could, we could just take a moment and think about the Old Testament ceremonial laws. When did people become unclean? They'd walk into the presence of a dead body. Unclean. They'd walk into a, a house filled with mildew and become unclean, contagious. They would walk into the presence of a leper, and if they got touched, boom, unclean. It was as if God wanted to teach us, look, people, you need to understand this. Sin spreads. Death spreads. And we get this, it's not just academic for us, it's not just even logical, it's emotional. This is an emotional truth for us. Just, it was actually on Mother's Day. The Lord's Day. The day of resurrection, the day of life, I walk down into my basement like I always do to take out our beloved dog, Cooper. He had had this seizure condition for a really long time. And we had tried every medication that you can possibly think of except the really expensive ones, the human ones, because we didn't have insurance for our dog. And I walked down into the basement, and I found him there.
his body was cold and rigor mortis had set in. And I called Amanda down and said, you need to see this. And we cried. We couldn't do anything about it because it was Sunday morning. And I had to come to church, not really fake it, but it was a sad day as well as a happy day, right? And I went home to take the dead body out of the basement, and I took him straight to the veterinarian. I could barely swipe my credit card because my eyes were blurred with tears, and I walked out a total disaster. I'm sharing this because when we think about Adam and this contagious death and sin that comes down to us, this isn't just like a cold, hard doctrinal fact or something that we look at through scriptural lenses, really far apart from us though, right? This is something that is very emotional. We look at mom and dad and we see the wrinkles and we know, we know what's coming. Because we know the truth about sin and death. Jesus is like Adam. That sounds weird in this context, doesn't it? <laughs> because we just said that Adam came and he brought to us his sin and his death, and now we're saying that Jesus is like Adam. But that's what, exactly what the Apostle Paul does here. It's a little bit shocking. He says, he says this, this is from verse 14, he says, he actually calls Adam a pattern of the one to come. Now here's what he's not saying. He's not saying that Jesus came to spread around like a contagious person, his sin and death like Adam. Here's what, he's not saying that Jesus is suddenly going to come like Typhoid Mary and spread around these deadly diseases around our city. But here's what he is saying. He's saying that Jesus is going to come and have a massive impact on the world, just like Adam. Jesus is going to come and have a universal kind of cosmic change in the world as the result of his incredible work. Jesus is going to come and bring something contagious with him. But Jesus is also not like Adam. And we have to understand that too. And the Apostle Paul follows up his comparison by giving us two ways in which Jesus is not like Adam, really not like Adam at all. This is what he goes on to say then in verse 15. He says, but the gift is not like the trespass. In other words, we've already seen how Adam and Jesus are the same. They both have universal cosmic impact. But we're going to now get two ways in which they are not alike, not alike at all. Here's how the Apostle Paul continues. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. So here's what he's saying. He's saying Adam's sin in the garden, his rebellion, was sufficient. 
It was just barely enough to bring death into our lives. You know, it's like that time New York City's a cash city. It's like that time when you go to the supermarket and you pick something off, off the shelf and it's $2 and a few cents, but you don't know how the tax is going to come out. And right there in your pocket, all you've got is three bucks. And the cashier rings it up and it's $2.99. You think, wow, my three bucks is just barely enough to cover it. And you take that penny and you put it in the tip jar, right? That's Adam's sin. It was just barely sufficient, just barely enough to bring to us death. Jesus is not like that, he says. The gift is not like that. The gift is super abundant. It's overflowing. So it's like this. It's like going to that same store, buying that thing for $2.99. You whip out this $1,000 bill, and the clerk says, I don't even have change for that. You're going to have to go somewhere else because your bill is too big. Look, Jesus' grace and his act, his saving grace is so big that it absolutely overflows. The Apostle Paul is not even done there. He's going to continue. We've got to keep reading on to the next verse. This is verse 16. Here's another difference. Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. So here's the point. Adam sins just once, and he brings condemnation. And you know what? God could have said to himself, he, he could have said to himself, okay, I'm going to cover just that one original sin. That's it. Uh, Jesus is going to give his life, and it's going to count for just original sin. The people are on their own for the rest of it. If they sin... They're on their way to hell. But that's not what God said. Jesus' grace and his gift is so much better. Do you see that? He says that not just that one sin of Adam, but sin's past, sin's present, and sin's future are paid for. The many sins have been justified by the one sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You see what we're really saying here today? We can be sure of this. And I think you already are sure of this. I don't have to preach this into your hearts. We can be sure that we're going to die. In fact... <laughs> We even have aphorisms, don't we, to express this truth. Like, there's nothing as certain as death and taxes. We know this. You know, we, this has been ingrained into us biblically and emotionally and intellectually. 
But what the Apostle Paul is saying is this. You can actually be much more certain that you will live than that you will die. Do you get that? I mean, you might not die. Jesus might come again. You may or may not die. But here's one thing that we can be absolutely certain of. You will live in Jesus' name. How can we doubt that? How can we doubt that when God gave his own son for us? How can he doubt that when the blood of the Lamb of God overwhelms and overflows and covers us so richly? You will live. It's the greatest certainty that we have. It is more certain than the death that Adam brings. It is more certain than the typhoid that typhoid Mary certainly spread. In Christ, God gives to us abundant, never-failing life. And it's not just here either, is it? It's literally all over the Bible. I want you to think about those Old Testament laws for just a second again, about how before Jesus, it was the sin and death that were spread. But what happened when life came into the world? What happened then? What happened when Jesus came into contact with death? He didn't become unclean, did he? He said, get up and live. What happened when Jesus got close to lepers? They became clean again. I mean, if we could just see this in our mind's eye, what we really need to do is get close to Jesus because right there, in Jesus' name, this massive spread of green, this massive spread of life began, and it's spreading to every corner of the world, even to our hearts. We will live in Jesus' name. It all got me thinking earlier this week, and not just thinking, praying. I thought, first of all, about typhoid Mary and how one person had had such an impact on this city. She would just make up those bowls of ice cream laced with salmonella, you know, typhoid. People would die. What an impact, right? 1908. This epidemic just spread through the city irreversibly. Just, it just got me thinking, what if life would become contagious in Jesus' name? And what if each one of you would spend your weeks, you know, putting a little milk and sugar and whatever else you need for ice cream with peaches 
And then you'd lace it with a little bit of God's grace. It would be sufficient, wouldn't it? No more than sufficient. It'd be overwhelming for this city. Amen.